0: Welcome to another episode of Ready Teacher One. I'm Adam Mangetta.
1: And I'm Ryan McLaughlin. And with us today is Heza Malinzi. He's the founder and CEO of Unbounded AR. Heza, we are so thrilled to have you on the show, man. Thank you so much for coming on.
2: Yes, thank you for having me. I'm thrilled too, man. This is amazing. I already can tell, man. This is going to be a good conversation for sure. I'll, I'll
1: make sure I do my part. Absolutely. You know it, man. Heza, why don't you just start off by telling us a little bit about yourself, about how you got into AR, and tell us a little bit about your company, too.
2: Okay, so um, I'm going to give you the short version, right? I've had practice with that because sometimes I can just go on and on. But um, the way I honestly got into the augmented reality space was through Nipsey Hustle. If you're familiar with Nipsey Hussle, Nipsey Hussle, he was a owner of Marathon Store. was a big music, big time musician in the L.A. area, a community advocate. You know, he he definitely put a lot of his words and things that he was about and he preached into action. Um, I saw him integrate that into his store, right? And at the time, I was working retail, and when I saw the like the the big like uh, buzz and just like impact that it made on his neighborhood, but just not the neighborhood, but the store in itself, right? The type of I guess, you know, word of mouth that spread was just like wildfire, right, when it comes to that experience, and I just saw it as the future, like, nonetheless, because I was working retail at the time, and I'm just like, man, I'm having issues, you know, as you guys probably know, when you go into these malls and these stores, you don't want to talk to a sales associate, right, like, and I'm a sales associate, so I'm just like, me, I understand that, I'm just trying to greet you, say what's going on, if you need me, I'm over here, I'm not going to press you on any type of way, I want you to just have a clean, I mean, the most calm shopping experiences you can, you know what I mean? So uh, I saw that as a way for brands, you know, because I was going through it within my own company that they're trying to force down these campaigns. And I saw it as like brands can be able to put this technology in place where they can place this campaign information where you as a shopper can enter to interact with that on your own, right? Similarly, the way you get your information through Google on your phone and the way we just kind of get things on our own and in fast demand. I wanted to create an interactive experience that the shoppers could have and can be able to also generate a conversation from it that doesn't necessarily have to do with buying the garment, right? So now it puts the pressure off the sales associate from pitching out a campaign and rolling that out and trying to force a certain type of vibe that obviously they both don't want to really jump into, right? So kind of delete that awkward silence in some areas and create like a different type of spunk to different, you know, storefronts. But as I started doing the prototyping, I saw it being, I was like, man, I would have loved for this in my experience in education. Like, if this was if I had this type of like when I first made my first prototype and I actually saw the experience, it was like magic. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, what the heck is this? Like, this is actually like appearing in front of me, like off this bag. Like, what the heck is going on? Like, this is something that I feel like would have been incredible for science. Like what all those diagrams you gave me to memorize. You're telling me that there's a technology where this stuff could just pop out. And nonetheless, maybe if it's not necessarily 3D, but a video that layers right over the picture describing the parts. Like, I still would have paid attention to that. And it would have been a gamified way for me to learn, right? And I would take a distraction, right, which is the phone, and turn it into a tool for me. Like, I was just like, what the heck? Like, all these kids are on these devices. Like, there definitely needs to be an outlet. You know what I mean? And creation of this. And I know that there has already. Like, I know I'm, I'm behind. There gotta be AR in certain schools, but like, why is it something that I haven't heard any other students talk about? Like, what, what, where is like, where is the technology going to? Is it just going to these blogs? Like, is it just going to these teachers or these districts where they're just trying it out one time and then they write about it? Right? Like, it's like, what is this a publicity stunt? Like, I'm just like, there's a lot of people that could be actually benefited with using this technology. Like, and I just thought about inner city kids. Like, what do you, like an inner city kid? has no incentive to doing work, right? Like, they have no means to do it. They don't really necessarily have maybe someone at home that can help them with that, right? Like, people are so far removed and have their own lives that they have to deal with. It's like, man, like, who's really allowing a kid to create, like, a practice, gamified, consistent, asynchronous, you know, environment for them to learn? Like, because that's the only way you can learn. I learned you know, jumping into what I did, I had to self-teach myself. I didn't go to school for technology. I was, I went to school for communications, right? It wasn't until like the spark when I saw it and I was like, okay, like I gotta learn more about it, right? Like I gotta understand this technology. And luckily for me, I'm at a time where, you know, YouTube is here, right? We have so much resources that are out there for you to be able to, you know, dissect and soak up information that you can actually do it. Like I'm a proven fact, I am a, I am uh, literally, I'm no different than anyone out there. You know what I'm saying?
0: As sure. a talk about, that's a tremendous point. Talk a, a little bit about that process of developing your prototype. How did you decide what to build your AR experience in? You know, did you look at Unity? Did you have some other kind of blueprinting technique? What did you do to get, you know, for these for these educators out here that are overwhelmed by the terminology, how do they start with the tutorials on YouTube, and what game engine did you decide to personally develop your ARN?
2: Um, honestly, it was Unity, right? It was Unity. The first video, I, like, I'm telling you, it was easiest day. I looked up augmented reality, how to build an augmented reality experience on YouTube. That was the first thing I, I put in a search box, right? Real simple. Don't got to yeah. go too deep, right? It's just, whatever question you would ask, put that into the search engine, right? It's right. going to answer it. <laughs> so it gave me a video of, um, I think it was, it was a fellow that created an experience with a playing card. He basically attached uh, JFK speech to that playing card using the Unity engine. And he, the video was 20 minutes. Like, it didn't take long. Like, I saw the whole process. And I'm just like, whoa, like, okay, like, yeah, it's a little bit like, you know, you gotta know certain things. You gotta actually wanna do it. But like, this is doable. Like, I can do this. Like. And let's just say I, some, I, I have an obstacle. I know someone that may be in the tech space that I could ask the question to, right? That can be able to guide me through the obstacle that I may have, right? Just, of course, using your community. And luckily for me, I have a pretty good community. And, I, and I've and a lot of my friends have been tapping into the tech markets and they understand the languages. So um, even though AR is so different than a lot of these other uh, coding languages, it was something of familiarity for them to be able to pick up on. So I would say, man, you got to just dive in there. You got to really just go in there with not really a thought of, oh, I need to develop something now. Go in there with a thought of, I need to understand the development process, right? Because me, I didn't alternatively build my system, right? It was, there's no way in hell that I would really do that and try to expect for me to really scale a company with it, right? Like, why would I take so many t- so much time to learn over get get over this learning curve when i can apply the information i already know and vet that situation right find a situation to where i can outsource it which what i did right i outsourced my development i got made it easier on myself to where I, I can also learn in the process so going forward when i start consulting and doing different projects i understand the ins and outs of the technology because that's the first thing
1: Heza, uh, you mentioned a minute ago that um you felt like maybe you're behind, you maybe be getting into the space that other people are already in. The crazy thing is, man, I'm not a hundred percent sure that that's true. Like we we talked to a lot of people, man, there's just not a lot of folks out there in the education world that are even aware of what AR is yet, right? Um, yeah. Adam and I talked to, to principals and teachers across the country and man, like some of them, like, you know, I had this experience not too long ago where I was telling a, uh, a middle school principal that I was teaching math and VR And she said to me, virtual reality, you mean like, are you, are you teaching math in zoom? And I was like, (laughs) no, ma'am. And I I grabbed my quest Two And I showed her and you know, her mind was blown, but um, reality is like, there's very little awareness in the education space right now about VR, AR, any of it. Right. Right. From your perspective, what's keeping people, from knowing what's going on like why are people in education still in the dark about all of this stuff and i guess more importantly what can we do to help that listen it's the learning curve like i learned that as i went in like it, it took me at
2: least a year and a half to really sit and understand ar like because ar is like it's once you understand the concept of what you could do with it it's, it's, it's one thing But actually understanding the time that it takes to develop this type of technology and for it to be sustaining and then understanding the data, right? The where this files go, like the fact that you get charged per certain scan after a certain point, like it's really being able to really understand like, okay, like there's a cloud situation with this because like, yeah, you can develop, but then you're going to have to continue to pay for each development at a point right? You're going to have to start paying for these experiences to be had. There's going to be money on the back end that you're not going to understand. So let's just say you are a teacher and, or a principal or anyone that wanted to put this technology into their school, right? You're really looking for a situation that kind of deletes all of that for you. Like, you don't want to go through the hoops and loops of understanding the technology, the scans and all the rest of that. You just want to create these experiences. And that's where I went directly into building my platform. I was like, okay, okay, bet. So like, you both, under, we both understand that AR is amazing, it's, it's, it's definitely going to engage your student, it's definitely going to provide something different for them to be able to collaborate with in the future and going on now, right, in the present. So how about I delete the fact that you have to even think about coding? How about I just make you only think about the videos that you would use and the pictures that you would connect those videos to? And now we start with that initial experience. Right. We don't necessarily jump out there and give them a situation to where they're just having to basically onboard this technology that they're going to have to figure out. Right. They want a situation that's relatively easy and doesn't take away time from their already busy schedule. That's, That's awesome. really what it is. It's I learned to empathize with the teacher. Like I learned that, yo, I know that you probably want to put this technology in, but you don't necessarily have the time to do that as well as pay attention to your students. You might have 150 students. You might have the 150 papers to grade, right? <laughs> it's going to just put up a load of homework that you don't necessarily, you know, want to really take apart, right? Take on. Like you don't want to bring that on to yourself because that could overwhelm you. We're all human. That's really what it comes down to. It's like, I knew that at the end of the day, okay, yeah, my platform is not this, oh, you're about to go see a 3D image pop out, right? My platform is really for the teacher. Like, I built it for the non-technical person. I built it for the person that understands the engagement that it's going to be able to increase in your classroom and out of the classroom, but I want you to be able to have that flexibility to create it on your own time.
1: That's such a powerful point. That's, you know, something Adam and I have talked about a lot is, you know, time is of the essence, right? And like you just said, to your point, you know, teachers have no time. So <laughs> no. it's gotta be these no code solutions to the problem that are going to take us forward. Right. It's gotta be no good. Yep.
0: It's gotta be accessible. Has a, you know, we have an epidemic going on. We got 4 million students in the United States, that over the last year were just lost. Most of them, black and brown students. Um, right. What elements do you think, uh, as you look at the future of education, what elements of the education game do you think are gone forever? Oh, that's a
2: great. I love that question.
0: Honestly, I
2: think that the fact basically this is what I and this is coming from a teacher, right? I'm a little. Maybe we'll be really cheating from this, but from what I've gotten understood from a lot of these teachers and a lot of those students that went lost and then seeing what happened when a lot of these teachers were forced, I mean, a lot of these students went lost and these teachers were forced to pass these students, right? Due to these certain standards of the school. You can't, now you can't tell what's the incentive for a kid to learn. Right. If you're telling me that I could stay home, barely pay attention, but you still have to pass me. You still have to pass me though. Right. There's no incentive for me to learn. And now that, situation of having the leverage that teachers had over students, knowing that, okay, you got to do your work because if you don't do your work, you'll get a bad grade, right? That is dead. These kids don't, these kids don't, they're they're calling the teachers out on, they were able to actually take a full look on at the underneath of everything that was going on into the educational system because everyone was in the same place. Everyone was under the same strains, the same pain points that they were going through maybe even more right? So my thing was like, okay, man, you really got to incentivize these kids. Like, you got to create an incentive-based situation. You got to really, like, understand these students, right? These new age students. You got kids these days, they're tapping into, as I said, YouTube. You got most kids, they're watching YouTube more than watch television. So it's like, they're over here and seeing certain situations happen with their age mates, right? You got YouTubers and all of these situations going on. But there isn't an incentive for them to go ahead and pay attention to class because they don't know what they're gonna take out of the school and use in their future. Like that's really what it is. It's like, where do I build a career off this? Tell me, but you're not telling me, right? And then now you're passing me, right? And I don't, I didn't even put in any effort. I've never had that happen before, right? So now you've given me the option, especially going on with the COVID, right? There's certain places where they have, they're giving parents the option and students the option. Do you wanna come in or do you wanna stay? right and a lot of students are staying in because they've seen the power that it has right your parents ain't going to be able to keep 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 really on tabs on you because they got their own situation going on and your teachers can only do so much when you're not in the classroom
1: right yeah it's like uh, you took away the carrot and the stick all at once right you took away the carrot uh, <laughs> yep. this w- this learning is going to be meaningful to my life someday that's gone you took away the stick because like you said the teacher can't do anything about it yeah that's that's a huge problem man
0: so where do we see, land, Heza, where do we land in 10 years? What does school look like in 10 years? Do you see it being more remote, less remote? What is, what is your thought?
2: I like that one, okay? So like this, right? I say it's two ways. It goes two ways, right? Yeah, there's going to be more situations to where there's going to be a lot of homeschooling. Then there's going to be certain platforms that can be able to cater to that. Because there's certain situations, like I have a friend called Bo, which I want to introduce you guys to. He'll be a great member for the podcast as well. Great conversation. Amazing founder. Um, he's created a platform called Soul Academy, right? And Soul we actually, Academy- we,
1: we actually had Bo on uh, last episode, man. He was oh, our very okay. last so Look at yeah. that. Look at that. Bo's,
2: the, Bo's so you,
1: the
0: man. We love Bo. Bo's
2: the man. Look at that. Shout yeah. out yeah. To, Shout to Bo. To Shout out to Bo. Dude, <laughs> you, know?
0: knew, you, knew, you knew he was on the last podcast.
2: <laughs> okay, little, okay, okay, okay. Either way, either way. Gotta shout him out. Gotta shout him out. That's Bo's the guy. Man. You know?
1: Keep, keep, keep the man. talking about Bo. We love Bo. Keep
2: his name. Listen, I'm gonna tell you right now, Bo, out of a lot of, Bo is like an education rock star out here. Sure. Like, you know what I'm saying? He's a rock star out here with what he's trying hey, to do. Um, put some, res-
0: put some respect on his name.
2: That's right. That's nah, right. for sure. You get what I'm saying? Like, he's doing a lot of things a lot of p- platforms won't do right like he's doing a lot of different things that are revolutionary in the space honestly like that's why i'm with him i'm with the same type of time with that revolutionizing education are so you, it's just like
1: are you in bo's telegram channel his, uh, a decent yeah education talk. yeah i haven't seen you in there man okay i haven't listen i haven't been typing all the way in but
2: i'm tuning okay. in because it's like you. you got there's a like i just tuned in to, at first it was overwhelming then I started like, you know, let me just dive in and like see the community. I don't want to dive in too late. Like I want to understand the community and what the agenda is of the community. Yeah, yeah. But then I realized it was like, wow, the agenda really is to just help one another. Like it is not even all the way geared towards just Soul Academy. It's a situation really just a community of people that have the same type of mindset, right? We all want the same type of things for education. But um, going back to the question though, man, I see it going two ways. I see that either these school, these school the educational system steps up, right? and they learn to understand and update the system, right? Up, under, update, like you have to update it. Just like in a tech field, I think if you have to update certain code languages. Every two years, you gotta do the same thing in education because right now, what you've been teaching us is something that's been getting taught for how many years, how many decades? There's a, such a disconnect. Like You can't tell me, like we're not directly, you're not telling me about certain positions that are available. You're over here teaching me how to be an assistant teaching me how to be a secretary teaching me how to just take orders you're not you're not allowing me to critically actually like learn like like critically think right like how can i think on my own can i create a solution are we going to be able to understand that we need to be in a problem solution based way of thinking like that's the way we have to go cuz that's the only way we can be able to move forward or are we just going to be taking orders and just going ahead and, and these kids are not going to take orders they're not they're, they're like, they're gonna, they understand what's going on. So it's like, you're either gonna have to speed up your process and catch up with them, or there's gonna be situations like Bo, and he has, he got all the educators making a whole bunch of content to where parents can just hear, here's some content, right? Here you right. go. Like, there's a curriculum, because there's gonna be more situations to where he's gonna have other forces that combine and help him out, because there's a lot of people that are jumping on the board of homeschooling. Like, and I can say from personal experience, I have a niece, right, that was homeschooled. And when I tell you she was always ahead, like I thought at first when my aunt was gonna do that, it was like gonna like make her, like she's gonna lack communication skills, right? Like I thought that she was gonna get to a point where she can only talk to her parents and whoever comfortability is around that. Anything outside of that, she wouldn't be, you know, she wouldn't, she wouldn't allow and engage in the conversation. I was totally wrong. This girl too smart, you know what I'm saying? She yeah. talks like she's 12, she's four, you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. she knows politics. She like, she's she's diving. It's like exposure. And that's what I learned. It's we're sponges. Don't yeah. treat the mind like it's this delicate thing that if you say something bad to it, it's going to just shut down. You got to let the mind learn. You got to let it bump its head. You got to yeah. let you got to let headaches happen. Hes- let's, the, let's, let's,
0: let's dive into that a little bit, because I think part of what you're getting at is uh, the, what is the charge of the person who is empowering the student to learn? It's, it's, it's about engineering experiences right. that matter. And so, right. so this three-dimensional technology, this immersive technology, virtual reality, augmented reality allows us to engineer experiences that students can learn things twice as fast, retain things twice as long. And so my question to you is, You know, what are we waiting for? What are the things that are the barriers to having a school completely in virtual reality or augmented reality or extended reality tomorrow? What's holding us back for the three of us starting a virtual reality school tomorrow? Honestly, I'm going to keep
2: it honest with you. There's nothing. Only thing holding us back right now, if you want to keep it G, is funding, capital. That's it. It, Because it's tools. It's tools at the end of the day. Right. It's tools. We've got to build libraries. Got to build, got, to, got to build a curriculum that aligns, right? An AR curriculum that aligns with the curriculum, right? That's, that's it. That's honestly it. There's like... And, and, there's,
0: and what, what, what do you think happens if someone does that, actually builds a virtual reality or AR curriculum that aligns with the standards?
2: What oh, happens my gosh. To- wait, wait, what? He's going to the moon. Going to the moon and back. That's to it. Mars. You get what I'm saying? I tell people this. I tell this right now. Right now, if you're in the AR space, and I think I can mention it to you, Ryan, as well. It's like cryptocurrency. It's like cryptocurrency. That's exactly the same community that a cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and all the uh, Ethereum and everyone that's in that community are the ones that have benefited from holding in and understanding the real legitis- the legitimacy of the technology. Come on, now they're the ones that going to shoot up. That's right, it. they're the ones that's going to be able to catapult forward. I
0: think and the three awesome. of us. I think the three of us are storing our monetary energy in this podcast right now. That's right. <laughs> oh, for
2: sure, for sure, and I like it. I like it. I'm this is my type of energy right here. You get <laughs> that's what I'm saying? It, it, it is. It, it's a great conversation.
0: Well, you have some keen insights, and I think one of the things that that, that Ryan has been really keen on and pushing me on is. How do you sell it off the truck now? You said we could start a school right now for the educators that really want to um, empower students with these tools, right? You said funding is, is, is a barrier. How do you do it lean startup fashion? How do you, how do you bring the most value for the least amount of capital in the space right now?
2: Okay, the best right now, and, and that's a great question. And I think that's something we're tackling right now is educating the teachers on how to use the technology, yeah. right? Educating the teachers on how to be able to be the directors of the experience, right? right? Not have to lean on someone like myself, but have to really just kind of realize, okay, tap into that wavelength of understanding it. Then everything else is going to merge so easily. Like you're going to be able to think of school and education in a way you've never thought about. Like you're going to be able to have fun with creating lessons. That's the crazy part about it. Because it's like I have fun creating prototypes on my system. I just create random prototypes all day long because of just how amazing the interaction is. I don't know what it does to the brain, but it's obviously doing something, right? It's stimulating the heck out of it.
1: You're absolutely right. It's 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 a UX problem at the end of the day, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. EdTech has failed in that regard so many times over the course of my teaching career. Like, I cannot tell you. And my favorite my favorite target to pick on on this podcast is LMS companies. And I apologize, (laughs) LMS companies. (laughs) Yeah, it works, man. I know. I have been as as a teacher. I have been in so many faculty meetings where an LMS representative has come in and been like, "Guys, we have like dozens of cool features that." None of you guys have used it all this school year. And it's like, well, you didn't train us. We didn't see the benefit for the students and it was a pain in the ass to use. So uh, come mm. on now, why, why would I use that? But to your point, like, this, is, this is what we have to do right as we implement AR and VR. We have to think about the end users Who are the teachers first and foremost yes the students but i think you know kind of to your point about students already being on youtube anyways the students look the students are going to adopt the technology right yeah they're going to do it one way or the other it's the teachers the end users that we have to think about and we have to get that right this time because this technology is too good it's too powerful for us to not get it right this time
0: but it also represents an existential threat to the status quo right And Mm. as you think about the intersection between augmented reality, virtual reality, extended reality, and a blockchain in which you could trade those tokens that you earn for attending school, you begin to create an incentive where the teacher may not need the central office, the professor may not need the university. a what happens when you become the billion dollar teacher and you have your own community of instructors underneath you that operate as augmented reality curators. What happens to the system? Hezza? How do we. Oh, it How
2: do- <laughs> oh yeah. You see, you just hit it on a big nail right there. And I'm starting to realize that as I went on and talked to more administrators is like, basically I started to see that, Oh, there's a fear in this. It's not like, cause it's really a no brainer. Everybody you talk to like, oh my God, it's amazing. Da-da-da-da. I would love it, I would love to use it. Da-da-da. But then when it comes down to the real nitty gritty part of it, will you pay for it, right? Will you pay for it so this can be consistent? That's when it's like, ah, uh, you know what I mean? I don't know, right? Because what it goes to your point is, is that just like you said, just like what this COVID did for a lot of schools, it made them not necessarily need it anymore. Right, for a lot of parents, like like you got a situation to where like I have parents that tell me to they're like I'm not sending my kid back. Why? Tell me why. I've like they haven't had any issues with this. They've actually performed better, right? There's been studies that have shown that you have kids right in high school, right. So this goes back to like how the system of school got has to change. And I was talking to Bo about I think I was talking to Bo about this yesterday, right? Is this how the heck can you put every kid in the world? Right. Or majority of kids in, in the world or this one common place on the same schedule. Like they all have the same life. Right. Like you're going to go ahead and tell me that that kid that lives in the suburb. Right. Parents have two, you know, two. There's a two, two, uh, 2 income family. Right. Who compared to the kid who's living in the city, single parent mom, four siblings. Right. How the heck can you compare those? How can you give them the same routine? But you can't. So what a lot of people noticed within the Zoom lessons is that when they were turning kids, there was a lot of kids turning in homework after, way after school. I'm talking about 10 o'clock PM, right? Because they started to be able to have time. They can work on their own time. They're not, it's not a situation they have to be babied. They don't have, like, they know they have to get this stuff done, right? Most kids understand, like, even myself, I may not love school, but I understood that, okay, yeah, this is how I can be able to actually make a way for myself to be successful right? If I can be able to soak up these tools, if I can be able to soak up the little bits and pieces and take that and merge that into something else, right? I can be successful and I can be able to learn how to soak up information and execute.
0: Heza, that's such a powerful point. Um, You know, one of the founders of our country, John Adams said, you know, I study war so my son can study business. He studies Mm. business so his son can study art. And if you Mm. think about it, when we built this Prussian model, it was about democratizing immigrants and transitioning from that America that had dominated in the, 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 uh, the 1800s and began to expand from the farm to the city. It was about creating that business machine, that right. industrial revolution, let's get factory workers, let's organize IQs to fight the World War I, the World War II. And now we're in a creative age, right? Mm, So as we transition from our father's studying business to now you're watching uh, the new currency being the amount of social media followers you have, right? Like Mm. literally artists are fighting the best boxer that ever lived, right? (laughs) Right. (laughs) trading, Trading their currency, their social currency, right? So, so. Right. Now we have to move from a standardized education to an individualized education. Ryan and I talk about it's That's the difference right. between teaching for excellence to teaching for genius, to go back to your four-year-old, right? That's right. We don't want to, to teach for excellence. We want to teach for genius. Mm. And the way that we do that is we allow the highest order of thinking. We position students to be creators. How are you working? to empower our kids to learn and access and create an AR?
2: Mm, so that's, crazy. that's a great question because that is something that I have put on a way, like my initial build out was teacher based, right? But then as, I, as my mind went on, I was just like, man, like this could be also a great way for me to create a curriculum or some type of step-by-step. Step. Cause the way I was like, okay, let me get my foot in the door before I implement any suggestions, right? So let me give a tool. Then as the tool starts to get, you know, people start to get used to the technology, the exposure of it, the benefits of it. Now I hit them with like, hey, this is also a step-by-step guide to create their own experience, right? Let's be able to, now with those sparks that may have, be able to occur off of these experiences, how about let's let's, let's, let's tend to them? Like, okay, I got this guy, let's, let's have a project to where the class can create a 3D, a 3D uh, figure of their class mascot. I mean, of the school mascot, wow. right? Everyone can design the mascot their own. And then at the end, you know, we could do a project, I mean, a contest to where who has the best 3D design, right? And then it has to be an inclusive experience for the whole school, then reward that, you know, the winner of that, right? Just in a way where they can be able to learn to collaborate as a team, in a sense of understanding how their world is going to be, because I see their world as a startup world. Right, these are gonna be a lot. There's gonna be a lot of startups, way more startups than there is now. There's gonna be so much when we get out. That's gonna be like the norm. Entrepreneurship is gonna be the norm by the time that we get into like 2030. Right, that's gonna be a regular. So if you can be able to teach these, teach these students now how to be able to obtain the skills of actually project-based learning. Right, like being able to use your leverage of the attributes that you have and being able to collaborate with someone else and tend to their weaknesses while they tend to your strong suit. Certain things that you can be able to help and merge together, right? Collaborate. That's the biggest thing. Delete competition, more collaboration. And when we can be able to have that, now you're going to start seeing a whole bunch of different minds. Like these minds are going to be like, they're already like, at pace to be building us a new world that we've never even thought of. So we just got to be able to cater to that.
1: Heza, you're absolutely right. I I, I couldn't agree more. I want to transition from that because, you know, we're running a little bit low on time, but I would be remiss if I didn't stop and, and ask you a little bit. You and I were talking the other day offline about Uganda because that's mm. where your father's from. I spent most of my yep. in Uganda, been a couple of times this year, actually. Um, and we talked about the potential that some of this technology has to empower people around the world you know empower uh as google calls them the next billion users Talk to right. us bit, you know long term is part of your vision to get ar into the hands of folks uh who haven't traditionally been empowered by ed tech
2: yeah what like that's the main thing like my main thing is to provide every bit of tools that i can to the schools back home like every bit of them like I wanna be able to cater to those minds because those minds, as I said, they're going to create innovations that we really need. Not the innovations that we're designing. Our we're over here, man, we're on the west side of the world, we're consumption-based people. We consume, we create to consume, right? They create to survive. It's a different mindset. It's a different mindset. So it's like being able to create advancements and be able to empower certain people in communities where they can is just like you said, like literally. You train your son to be from, you train, train for war, right? You train your son to be a businessman. That's what needs, to, that cycle needs to be instilled in Africa. Because in Africa, the farmer, the kid that is basically next to the farmer, that has a father, dad, a farmer, dad, he's going to become a farmer. There's not going to, there's not a cater situation to where how he can be able to develop business skills that can be able to sustain this farming business and scale it up, right? There isn't situations like that. And that's my goal. My goal is to be able to accumulate as much capital as I can here, as much resources as I can here, and partner up with communities like you were in. Partner with communities off the grid, really. Like being able to first, let's establish an electricity front. Let's be able to establish it where we can be able to create a circuit of energy, right? Like that can produce this Wi-Fi and produce certain services where you now have the access to this information. Because I don't believe that it's much. Like we're not gonna have to do much. We just need to give them just a little bit. Like, give them access to the information. If you can give them access to the information, they will do it on their own. Like, I know that for a fact. There's a lot of stories like that. There's kids that built, as a kid, a 12-year-old in Nigeria, she built a, I guess, like, an AI folding machine, right? Like, to where in the village, of course, they all do laundry in, like, one day out of the week. So she created a system to where the laundry can get done faster, right? Because the biggest thing is how do you fold all of these clothes at the end? You know, she created a system to quickly do that. Like, and that's because of the mindset. As I said, invade, innovate to to survive. Like, that's it. Like, so it's like that's my goal. Alternatively, like, I'm going back home. I'm gonna go crazy. I, I'm turning. Like, I'm telling you, Africa is gonna be a new world in 2030. Like, that's all I say. Like,
1: that's right. Like, like,
2: it's not gonna be the same Africa that people thought about. It's already shifting. Like, my mom's from Rwanda, and as people know about Rwanda? Rwanda is ahead like crazy. That's like the Singapore of Africa, right? Like it's going to be a situation to where there's going to be a lot of countries that follow their pattern because they're going to start seeing the benefits of it. Right. That's and right. then, you know, luckily we just got, at the same time, we also got to just trust God. I'm a big believer in faith, right? Like I just trust God. And hopefully at the end of the day, you know, we do as much as we can here and he just puts the final touches on it. Bow, and If it's his plan, it's his plan. Best thing to do is just, you know, put our best
1: foot forward and just try, you know, that's the first step. Man, I completely agree with you and we got your back every step of the way. We're excited to be in this journey with you cuz man, having had the opportunity to travel to Africa a few times, it's not what you see in the media, right? It's and, not. Um, people people ignore Africa to their peril <laughs> because this is Africa's century right now. We are in the century, man.
2: Yeah, you know it, you know. It. We go. it's going to get crazy.
1: That's it, man. Heza, we like to end the show with a segment that we call the Furious 5. This is going to be 5 rapid fire questions to get to know you just a little bit better before we end the show. We encourage uh, one sentence answers. They don't have anything to do with any of the things that we've been talking about. They're just for fun. Perfect. So question number one. So the- Hold
0: on, right. We're at a, we're at a two minute countdown. So it's really a lightning round. Isn't it? This is a go. Episode. I got you. Bing. I'm ready.
1: Excellent. First question. What's the best TV show or movie that you have watched recently?
2: Startup Netflix.
1: Okay. Watch it. Second question. What's the best meal you've eaten recently? Fried rice. Indonesian fried rice. Nice. Question three. Who's somebody that's a thought leader on social media that all of our listeners should stop what they're doing right now and go follow them? 19 Keys. 19 Keys. Got it. Question four. What's the best book you've ever read? Damn.
2: Contagious. Okay. Contagious. If you read that book you will see why you do a
1: lot of things in life. Question five is Adam's question. So at this point in the show, I always hand the mic back over to him. Adam.
0: Heza, what do you know true to be about Africa's expansion that other Africans would disagree with you on? Mm,
2: Acceptance. Okay. Accepting other cultures. Allowing and teaching the culture. Do not, do not, do not. Like chastise them for
1: not knowing. That's powerful, man. That's your opening to educate. Not at least what I did. Heza, it's been so much fun talking to you, man. We're gonna do this again real soon because we just enjoyed yeah. this conversation so much. Where can our listeners find you on social media, man? Oh, you can follow me at you can follow me at um Instagram at A to Z underscore 28.
2: Um, you can follow me on LinkedIn at Heza Malinzi. And email
1: heza malinzie at unboundedar.com if you want to do that. (laughs) But those are the two places you can find me, though. Awesome. Thank you so much, Heza. We'll talk to you again soon, my friend.
2: Yes, you guys have a great one. It was awesome being here. You too, buddy. Cheers. Steve.